All right, so we're going to do a quick review from the last couple of weeks, okay? And we're going to talk about a few different things this morning. Um, let's see here. Okay, we're wrapping up the series today called An Introduction to Apologetics. Okay, so who can remind us all what apologetics is all about? Yes, Matthew. What was that? Yeah, defending Christianity, defending your faith. Yes, awesome. Anything else? What else can you tell us about apologetics? Anyone else? A definition that I came up with, or that I actually drew from a few websites, was this. It's this, the study and practice of giving answers for the reasonableness and truth of the Christian faith. It's a verbal defense, defending your faith. It's a reply of a formal charge, or it's an answer to someone's question. Okay, so since it's the last Sunday of the series, what's the main passage that we've been, that we talked about at the very beginning? Does anyone remember? Starts with a first. First Thessalonians. No. First Peter. What is it? 3.15. Yes. Can anyone say it from memory? If you can, if you can do it today, I'll give you candy Wednesday. If you can do it Wednesday, I'll give you candy, okay? So... 1 Peter 3.15. I'll give you a handful. I'll, I'll bring a, can, a bag of candy. And if you can say it, Emma, can you say it? You remember part of it? Okay. Come, come, come to me after today or Wednesday and tell me it, okay? If you can, let me know. I have a handful of candy for you, okay? Uh, 1 Peter 3.15, which says this. Can someone actually read it for me? Someone open up there. 1 Peter 3.15. You got it, Nate? No. No, you have, you're reading it. <laughs> nice and loud. All right, but in your heart, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Awesome. And you can really start always being prepared. You can start there. Okay, so that's the beginning of the verse, uh, which is what I will count as the memory Verse, always bring prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Do it with gentleness and respect. Okay, so what were the two key doctrines that we've talked about um, that we defended here in this study so far? What were the two key doctrines? We, we've done two of them. We're going to do one more today. What was the first one we did? Yes, Emma. Like how to prove the resurrection. Yeah, how to prove the resurrection. So the first one we did was the resurrection of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. um, is that a, it doesn't have two S's, does it? Uh, no, it's two R's. Whoops. Resurrection of Christ. Okay, what was the second one we did? It starts with the, and it has an R. The resurrection. We did the resurrection of Christ. The reincarnation. No. No. Redemption. Emma. The, 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 
L. Yes, the reliability. Reliability of the Bible. Good. What did the what did reliability mean? You can rely upon it. So what does that mean? You can trust it. Yeah, perfect. It doesn't have no, it doesn't have any faults. Good. Um, last week we kind of rushed to the end there, um, but I wanted to give some some more backing to the last point. We talked about okay, what were our two three points in the reliability of the Bible? So when defending when someone says, "Hey, I don't believe that the Bible's fully true," we can come back to them and say, "It is true. Here are the reasons." Yes, Helena, what, what would you? Yeah, nothing contradicts itself. Yeah, that's good. Anything else? We opened to a ton of passages of scripture, and we were looking at what? We were looking at, yes? The, like the prophecies in like Isaiah. Yeah. And Psalms. Exactly. Mark? Yep, so we are looking at what? Prophecies that were made and then prophecies that were fulfilled, okay? So that, that's one point you can turn to, right? You can say, hey, look at all the prophecies that were made of Jesus' birth, of his death, of, um, I mean, all these different things we could look to. And then we could look at, hey, look at all of them fulfilled in Christ. Okay, we could look at that. What was the other point that I we talked about? And we talked about it actually in this point up here, the resurrection of Christ. Um, we looked at something about people's lives, testimonies. their testimonies about how they changed lives. Change lives. Yeah, uh, I used the word transformed lives really is another point to the reliability of scripture. And the last one was endurance. Okay, if you remembered endurance, um, kind of like an endurance race, you know, when you're running a marathon, you have to have great endurance. When you run a race, right, you have to have Great endurance, kind of like I think about Jared Broadbooks. He has great endurance. That guy can run for miles and miles um, and can do it without stopping. Uh, he's kind of like the Energizer Bunny. Have you ever seen those commercials where it just doesn't stop? That's kind of that's what I think about Jared there. Uh, he just doesn't stop. It, it's, it's awesome. He has great endurance. Uh, turn with me real quickly. We're going to look at this, and then we'll move on. 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25. Uh, 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25. Um, Addison, can you go get Bibles for us? They're in the um, drawers um, on that counter right there. Do you know? Chase, are you going to get some? You know where they are? It's like right on the edge at the bottom. Yeah. Can you get a handful of those? Yes. Thank you. Um, 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25, 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25. Um, we'll wait till Chase gets back in with some of those. Who needs a Bible? Um, if you need a, okay. Okay, both of you need Bibles. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, hey, if, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Chase has got them here for us. So there's a few around here. 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter 1, all the way at the back of your Bibles, 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25. Thanks, Chase. All right, can someone read that for us, nice and loud? Who's there? You want to hear it, Addison? Thank you. 
Nice and loud, yep. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so what do we learn here about the endurance of the Word of God? What do we learn about the endurance of the Word of God here in this passage of Scripture uh, from, from Peter? What, what does he say here that we can take away about the endurance of the Word of God? What does it say there? It says, Verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Verse 23, actually go to 24. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flowers falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So what do we learn about the endurance of the word of God? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yep. It's quoted Isaiah 40, 40, verse 6. Right? Yeah. Yep. What do we learn about the endurance of the Word of God here? What does it say? All flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass is, grass is withering, and the flower falls. We see that every summer and winter, right? We see the things get brown. Actually, really just winter, right? Things get brown, they die off, leaves fall. But what remains? The word of the Lord. Yes, the word of the Lord remains. Really, we see a few things here, and I, I mentioned them. There's, there's longevity, okay? There's endurance in the word of God. Everything else will wither. Everything else will fall. Okay, we will die. We will pass away like the few stories I told you about last week. Remember? All those people who tried to destroy the word of God, they've long been dead. They're in their graves. Their bones are rotten. I mean, their bones are probably not even there anymore. I think, I don't know how long it takes for the bones to kind of de uh, decay. But yeah, they're not there anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then they start to find the word of God because it has great endurance because who's in like who holds the word of God? God does. Yeah. It's his word. He will he will remain steadfast in that and he will make it last forever because it's his word. It will stand forever. It also says in this passage, the word of God purifies the soul. It cleanses us from sin. This is the power of the word of God. It will last forever and it will do these things. It purifies the soul and it cleanses us from sin. So the word of God has endurance. So in concluding the reliability of scripture, since the Bible is God breathed. Okay. We talked about that three weeks ago. I think it was. It is completely trustworthy. Okay. Because it's God breathed. And we all trust in many things, right? We, we put our trust in, in the chairs that we sit in here this morning. You didn't even think about if the chair is going to give out on you, right? You put your trust in these things within your life. We trust so many different things. 
We trust that when we go to sleep at night, our bodies will continue to breathe. Do you ever think about when you fall asleep that maybe my, I'll stop breathing in the night? Yes. Do you ever think about that? Yes. Not usually, right? Yeah, I do. Usually? Okay. I don't. I fall asleep and I don't think about that kind of stuff, okay? Um, I just don't think, we just trust in the fact that, you know, God is in control of all things, so he'll keep our bodies breathing throughout the night until our last day. And he has our days numbered, as he says. We trust in other people. We trust people when we drive in our vehicles, right? Um, that they'll stop at stop signs. Okay? Because if you don't trust in people who stop at stop signs, then you're never going to go through a stop sign, right? <laughs> After you stop. You, you've, when you come to a four-way stop, you are trusting this guy is going to stop so you can move on. Okay? If not, you wouldn't continue to go when you're driving, right? Okay? Or, or that people will stop at red lights when your light's green, right? So we put trust in all these different things. We put trust in all these different things. If we didn't trust, we would live in a state of constant fear, anxiety, and uncertainty. But this is the same thing with the Bible and the God uh, that we choose to trust. When we walk in faith with God, our Heavenly Father, we, ch we choose to trust that God exists and that what he has said is true. Okay? If we choose to not walk in faith with God, we trust that God does not exist or that his word is not true. No matter what we are always trusting, we're always trusting in something. It just matters where you put your trust in. Do you trust in material things? People who have passed away? Or do you trust in things that will remain forever, that are steadfast to the end? Trusting in the Bible and in God is wise is a wise choice as Almighty God is very reliable and He's worth our trust. He's worth, you know, everything from us because He is true. Because He is true, which means His word is true, which means that in the long run, we can trust in Him. All right, so that is defending the reliability of scripture. I want to go back this morning because we're going to defend one more doctrine, key doctrine of our faith. And this morning we're going to defend this, the deity of Christ. The deity of Christ. What does deity mean? What does it mean? Yeah, Chase. Yeah, yeah, that really we're going to look at today that Jesus was not only a human being, but he was also God. So when we talk about the deity of Christ, we're, we're proclaiming that Jesus is God, okay? That's kind of what deity means there. The deity of Christ means that Jesus was more than just a human being, or he was more than just a prophet or a good teacher or someone that people followed. He is fully divine. He is fully God. He is existing as the second person of the Trinity. He is God in flesh, God incarnate, which we're going to look at even this morning. So what is so important about the doctrine of the deity of Jesus Christ? Why do we need to defend it? What would you guys say? Why do we need to defend the doctrine of the deity of Jesus Christ? So if, if we don't defend it and people say, 
hey, Jesus isn't God. Okay, why is, why is it so important to defend it, to say Jesus is God? What would you guys say? There's so many reasons. I wrote down six within my own study of a book. Um, but what would you guys say? Why is it so important to defend the doctrine of the deity of Jesus Christ? Because we're told to? Yeah. Yeah. What else, Emma? Because it's and true. Yeah, he could never have saved us. Yeah, yeah. If people aren't aware of the fact that, or just uh, believe that he's fully human, then that would mean that his sacrifice is, um, isn't valuable or useless. Exactly, yeah. His sacrifice, because he's God, you know, gives us salvation, gives us eternal life. If he, if he wasn't God, you know, his death would just be another human death. Yeah, what else? That's great. No, or, there's no resurrection. Yeah, he doesn't rise from the dead if he's not God, right? And we're going to talk about that this morning. That's one of my points. Yeah, what else? Anyone else? I, I gave a handful of different points to the importance of the doctrine of the deity of Jesus Christ, but we're not going to go into all those because we don't have time this morning. But you guys mentioned some of the most important ones, okay? Um, because... You know, without Jesus being God, he would not be able to save us from our sins. Okay? And really, that's what we stamp our faith upon, is that Jesus is God and he has saved us from our sins. He's given us salvation. He's given us eternal life. So if someone, if someone can come to us and say these things and we can't defend them, really, we, we won't be able to stand on our faith. Okay, so this is why it's important for us to study the deity of Jesus Christ. One theologian said this about the deity of Jesus Christ. He said, this doctrine is absolutely essential to Christianity. Okay, if it is true, as it is, then Christianity is unique and authoritative. If not, then Christianity does not differ in any kind, no, it does not differ in kind from other religions. Thus, this is a vital topic that we must learn to defend. So, these three doctrines that we've talked about, okay? The resurrection of Christ, the reliability of the Bible, and the deity of Christ. These three doctrines are, are some of the few, or really are, are a few of the most important doctrines that we must know how to defend. That's why we've talked about these three things. And these are the three things you may come across from your friends at school, from your friends um, in sports teams and all that kind of stuff. So a few questions before we dive into this. Can you reject the deity of Jesus Christ and still be a Christian? No. No. Why? Because that's your faith. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the answer. No, this is essential to who Christ is. And if we declare that we, you know, we believe in Christ, we're declaring that he is God. Okay. It is essential to our faith. If you deny this doctrine, you deny the person of Jesus Christ because he's God and man. Yes. At least. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Another question. With all the scriptural evidence, 
We'll look at some of it this morning. Why do you think religious people deny the deity of Jesus Christ? Because there's some religions out there who say, no, he was just a human. He was just a good teacher. He was just a prophet. What, what would you say? Because they're too arrogant to say, you know what, my religion's wrong and yours is correct. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. Yes, Adeline. Yeah, they may be scared. Yeah, good. What else? I, I would, yeah, Emma. They only want parts of the Christ, not the ones that they don't like. Exactly. Like they they like, just want. Yep, just want it for themselves. Like. Yep. They're trying to create their own God who, who they think they can worship. Yeah. Well, they um, Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, I would even go to the point to say that they're not even saved um, and cannot comprehend this truth because once we're saved, the Holy Spirit reveals these truths to us, that Jesus is God, okay? Um, so we're going to look at some of that today, okay? So how do we defend the deity of Christ? How do we defend that Jesus is actually God? He's equal with God the Father. What are the points in the defense of the deity of Christ? The first point I think that we can look at is this. Um, disciples, what did I say? The disciples claim that Jesus is God. Claim that Jesus is God. All right, the disciples claim that Jesus is God. Turn with me to John 20, verse 28. We don't have, we're running out of time. We always do. We always run out of time here this morning. John 20, verse 28. Can someone read that for us? Whoever gets there first, if you can start reading, that would be great. Nice and loud. 20, verse 28. Yeah, Chase, can you read that nice and loud? Uh, John 20, yeah, uh, the Gospel of John. Yep. yep. Um, just, just that one verse? Yeah, just the one verse, 20 through, or 20, chapter 20, verse 28. Okay. Um, Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so this, this is after Jesus, really simply, right? This is after Jesus had risen from the grave. Remember, doubting, Thomas was doubting that Jesus was actually risen from the grave. He had to see with his own eyes and he had to feel with his own hands the scars that went through Jesus' wrists and his feet. He had to see these things and Jesus appeared to him and he saw he put his hands inside of the, the wounds. Um, it says there in verse 25, um, this is Thomas saying, he says, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And then verse 26, he did that very thing. Jesus walked into the room. Verse 27, Thomas put his finger there, felt the wounds. And then verse 28, Thomas declares, my Lord and my God. His response is my Lord and my God. He was equating Jesus as God, okay? After he had seen the risen Lord, he saw the, the wounds in his hands and his feet, he declared that Jesus is God. That's one of the disciples. Let's look at another one. Um, let's look at the Apostle Paul. Turn with me to Titus 2. Titus 2. Titus 2. It's all the way at the end of your Bibles. Titus 2. Someone turn to Philippians 2. Can someone do that as well? 
We'll look at these both real quickly here. Someone turn to Philippians 2 and be ready to read after we read Titus. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Uh, Philippians 2, sorry, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, yeah. Titus 2 as well. Titus 2, 11 through 14. Can someone read that? Are you there, Lewis? Can you read that for us? Nice and loud. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory and our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness Mm -hmm. and to purify for himself a people for his possession who are zealous for good works. Okay, so the Apostle Paul declares that Jesus is who in verse 13? He declares that Jesus, the appearing of the glory of what? Who? Our great God and what? And Savior, yeah. So he declares that Jesus is our great God and Savior. That's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul also says, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Can you read that, Emma? Have this mind among you, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus Christ, who though, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equal, equality, equality yep. with God, with God in, a, in a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in, in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Awesome. So prior to Jesus' birth, right, he existed, as it said there, in what? He existed in the, it's probably the first couple of verses there, in the blank of God. What did he exist as in the form of God? God. Yeah, he existed in the form of God. Okay. Okay. We could turn to so many other places. John talks about it. John 1, 1, he says, in the beginning was the word. Who's the word? Jesus, right? Jesus is the word. Um, And he goes on to say, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Okay. So it talks about, John talks about Jesus is in the beginning with God. And he talks about that he is God, okay? We could go on to so many different other things, but Christ was considered to be truly God by his followers. Okay, that's why, that's one of the main points. His followers who were with him constantly proclaimed that he is God. The second thing, and we're out of time, I'll just list these for you guys. The second thing is the names, what did I say? The names and titles of Christ. Give me some names and titles of Christ um, that point to the fact that Jesus is God. Elohim. Which means what? Creator. Names and titles of God. Yeah. Yeah, he's creator. He's creator God. What else? Yes. Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Yeah. God with us. He's in flesh. God is in flesh with us. That's the name of Jesus. Yes. What else? Shepherd. Shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. What else? El Shaddai, which means? The Lord provides. The Lord provides, yeah. What else? King. King, yes. I would also say Yahweh, 
okay, which is the name of God in the Old Testament, right? What else? Lord, Lord yeah. King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, last one. I am. V-I-M. V-I-M, yes. Yeah, those are perfect points to the names and titles of, of Jesus that point to the fact that he is God. Last one, and we won't go into this one. We'll just dismiss after this one. Number three are the actions of Jesus that only God can do. Actions of Jesus that only God can do. All right. All right. Actions and miracles that only God can do. What, what are they? Was it? Calming the sea and the water, yes. Raising the dead, yes. He rose the dead, yes. Multiple places at once. He's omnipresent, yes. Healing the blind. Yes, David. Create matter. He created the world, right? It says that. Jesus created the world. Yes, what else? Omnipotence. Omnipotence. We could go through all the attributes. Jesus' attributes are the same as God the Father's attributes. He is God. Okay, so we could point to all these facts to prove that Jesus is God. So if someone comes to you and ever proclaims, hey, I don't believe this is true. These are the points you go to. You say, his disciples, his followers who were with him constantly point to the fact that Jesus is God. You go to his names and his titles. And lastly, you go to the actions of Jesus that only God can do. All right, let's pray. And then you guys are dismissed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time uh, with these students. Lord, I pray that as we dismiss from here, Lord, that you uh, keep us safe. Um, keep us cool as we are hitting some really hot weather, weather this week. Um, bring us back safely Wednesday night so we can enjoy the time together as we're doing slip and side kickball. And may no one get hurt on Wednesday night as we partake in the fun games. Um, but give us a good time overall. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.